So you guys may hear an echo, and I, I apologize in advance for that. I don't know if you can or not, but I did move into a new apartment recently. I moved into a new apartment recently. It's a little bit smaller, and it doesn't have my stuff in it yet, so it's very echoey. But as I move my things in, hopefully it will get less echoey. I'll put up some padding on the walls and things if need be. But I did want to talk about Faithless Forum because it was an absolutely fantastic time. And I believe we're going to have somebody uh, on as a guest in a little while who was at Faithless Forum with me. Uh, but it was just a fantastic time. So as a lot of you guys know, I'm one of the board members for Faithless Forum and just planning it was very stressful and difficult sometimes and expensive because we're kind of doing this from the grassroots you know this is from the ground up we're not like we didn't get we didn't secure funding for this or anything we're basically paying for this stuff out of our own pockets none of the speakers got paid a dime they, they, I mean, they all did it for free. They all showed up for free. Aaron Ra, Matt Dillahunty, and Seth Andrews, all three showed up for free because they wanted to, because they believe in what we're doing, because they wanted to see us succeed. It's just, I've never seen a, just an outpouring of, of support before like this on this level we didn't pay for travel or hotels for anybody i paid for my own hotel and travel matt dillahunty paid for his own hotel and travel everybody paid for their own hotel and travel every single speaker that was present we're hoping next time we may be able to like pay for at least the hotel rooms for people or something like that but honestly this this event was actually bigger than the SSA convention was, as far as I know. I'm pretty sure the SSA convention had um, 125 people there. We had 176 tickets sold. And I think we had a total of 130 people show up, which is pretty regular. About 20% of your ticket sales won't show up. That's kind of expected, but... It was just a fantastic time. Uh, it was the first time that I've spoken publicly since I was Jehovah's Witness. Uh, last year, I really wanted to have a public speaking position, but we couldn't work it out for one reason or another. So Thomas, uh, Holy Kool-Aid, vouched for me, and they gave me a, a public speaking position. It was just fantastic. Um, I was really nervous because last time I stood up in front of a crowd, I was a Jehovah's Witness. And I stood up in front of, I think, 115 people or something like that. This time it was like 130, so roughly the same sized crowd, give or take. But it was just, I don't know. It was, it was really nerve-wracking at first, but when I got up in front of the crowd, I wasn't nervous anymore. It was an interesting experience, and I absolutely cannot wait until I get to speak again. I'm hoping to speak at Marshall University at some point in the near future, but we can't right now because school is out and things like that, so we'll see what happens, but either way, really great time. Got to meet a lot of fans. That is one of my favorite things about going to conferences and things, is meeting fans. I love meeting fans. I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories. It's just the best. And after my speech, I got to go downstairs to like the green room and talk to just a bunch of people. I think there were like 10 or 15 people or something in there who just came down there to like meet me and talk to me about stuff and ask questions. And it was just a fantastic time. I just, I just loved it. It was really, really great. So Faithless Forum was just a really great time. Got to meet a lot of fans. I remember I was sitting at the registration table, uh, like, 
you know, signing people in and stuff like that. That's how grassroots it was. Like, we didn't have many volunteers. We didn't pay any money for anybody to fly in or any of that stuff. So I was sitting at the table, and I look up, and there is Potato and Wombat, the person who helps with the podcast. It was just awesome. It was like, oh, man, putting a face to the name. It was very, uh, it was very surreal. And I heard a lot of people say it was very surreal to hear my voice. Oh, wow, the cat got out of the room that I stuck him in. How did he do that? Anyways, people told me it was very surreal to hear my voice and see my face at the same time because I don't, you know, I don't show my face on my channel or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was really great. It was a really great time. I'm glad I got to see everybody. The one thing that I worried about was like people were worried about coming up to me and... I don't know. Like, I just see myself as like a super regular person. And it was just strange to me that people like didn't want to bother me or anything. But I don't know. Like they said, they didn't want to, they didn't know if I, I wanted them around or something. Like that just blew my mind. Like I'm just like a normal person just hanging out with everybody here. That's why I'm here is to hang out with people. So next year, we I, I can't really talk a whole lot about what we're planning for next year, but we got some big plans. First, all right, I can tell you a couple things. The first big change that's coming next year to Faithless Forum is we are going to have coffee at the event it was so bad to not have coffee. Holy hell. I didn't have coffee for like the longest time. Uh, it was rough. But yeah, we're going to have coffee at the event. That's the hope anyways. Um, so yeah, that's that's going to be really awesome. Also, we're hoping to have it in, I don't know, maybe a different venue. We'll see. Not sure. Um, this venue is really, really cool. They're really easy to work with. Really nice. And honestly, they're not that expensive, all things considered. Um, so we'll see. Maybe a new venue. Um, I don't know. But either way, I would like to see it two days long this time. Because people can't fly out for a one-day event, but they can fly out for a two-day event. And also, I'd like to see the days shorter. Like, this, this time it was like a 12-hour day. That's really long. It was like 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. That's a long day come to find out. And people were, you know, hanging out late the night before because a lot of people were just getting in, just meeting each other and everything. And it was just, next time, maybe we can just do like seven to eight hour days and then maybe an event afterward or something like the VIP dinner after that day. And then the next day will be another seven or eight hours. That wouldn't be so bad. That's kind of how Jehovah's Witnesses do it. But, um, yeah, it was a really, really great time. And I also got to meet some people who were aspiring YouTubers or, or current YouTubers trying to grow their channel, things like that. Like I mentioned, I'm going to be talking to one of them uh, in a little while. Xcult Baby is her name. That's her YouTube channel, I believe. So we'll get to hear her story in a little while. Uh, she's got a YouTube channel. It's a little bit smaller, but like I said, it's growing. So we'll we'll take a look at that in a bit. I don't know if you guys follow me on Twitter, but a little while back, there was a tweet about, uh, it was by a guy named Tony Ortega, and he is kind of a journalist who has followed Scientology for like a really long time. He's not an ex-Scientologist, but he, you know, he's been involved in it heavily, just, you know, the reporting on Scientology. And on Jehovah's Witnesses, he reports on cults in general. I've never interacted with the guy, really, but a lot of the people that I know know him, like Lloyd Evans and Chris Shelton and, and people like that. So he, uh, Tony Ortega, was reporting on this measles outbreak on a Scientology uh, Sea Org sea vessel. I think it's a ship or something. This is the tweet I was looking at. Confirmed. Scientology's free winds is the ship quarantined for measles in St. Lucia. I think it's St. Lucia, which is fascinating on a few levels. Okay, so 
first of all, here's the interesting bit about this. When you reach the level of clear on the Scientology bridge, it's something called the bridge. Um, let me just look up the bridge real fast and show you guys. Uh, this is this is the Scientology bridge. It's probably really, really tiny and hard to see. Um, okay. So there are a bunch of like levels uh, uh, below clear. This is what you go through to um, become a Scientologist. Just one step after another. Costs a little bit more every single time. $300 for this class, $500 for that class, $1,000 for the next one. And as you advance up the ranks, you finally get to clear. And from my understanding, I think that clear costs like hundred grand to reach or something. Um, after you get to clear, your next steps are getting to like the OT levels. Uh, operating Thetan is what it stands for, OT. Uh, so you hit clear, which is right here on the bridge, and then you go to OT1, I think. I, you know, I could be wrong on this. Pretty sure that's how it works. But anyways, um, once you hit clear, uh, from my understanding, OT3 costs about 400 grand to reach. Clear takes about 100 grand to reach. So once you reach clear, supposedly, you have complete control over your mind to the extent that since all illnesses are caused by the mind, you don't get sick anymore once you reach clear. You don't get sick. You can control things with your mind, things like that. Um, and to answer your question, uh, somebody in the chat asks, when do you learn about Xenu? That would be at OT3. They give you a briefcase once you reach OT3 that contains writings from um, L. Ron Hubbard. And it basically describes this whole past life that he experienced, uh, detailing Xenu and how he brought people in for tax inspections. I guess it's kind of like car inspections, except for your taxes. I don't know. Anyway, it's it's a really weird story, but th that happens at OT3. So point here is that go when you reach clear, everybody basically on in the Sea Org has reached clear or is close to clear, if nothing else. And they're working on higher levels. So the fact that this ship, this Sea Org ship, was quarantined for a measles outbreak is super interesting because people who have gone clear are not supposed to get sick. And here we have the, the best and the brightest and the strongest in the faith getting sick and quarantined for it. I found that so fascinating. They're trying to cover it up and keep it quiet and all of this other stuff. It is super bizarre. Let's see, I was just looking. When we posted this story at 2 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, we strongly suspected but couldn't confirm that the measles ship was the free winds. Now NBC is reporting that St. Lucia's Coast Guard has confirmed that the free winds is the ship that is quarantined. God, that's crazy. That is crazy. And people like just average Joes don't necessarily realize why this is so significant. It's because they claim that everybody on this ship is immune to disease. And that's part of their religious belief because they're clear or beyond. They believe they're immune to disease and now everyone on it is sick. That's just, you, you just cannot beat that. That is absolutely priceless. You know, honestly, measles isn't terribly deadly for adults, from my understanding. I mean, just about everybody in the world, if you were born before a certain year, then it's assumed that you have it, like before the vaccine came out, then it's assumed that you had it because it was so common. It was like chicken pox. It does kill some people and, and it is dangerous, legitimately dangerous. But if you're an adult, it's, I think it's less dangerous. That's why you want to get your kids vaccine, uh, vaccinated to protect them from that. Um, so I don't think that there's a whole lot of risk of death in this case. Either way, I don't want to see anybody die, period. I don't want to see anybody die. I would hate to see that. But this situation itself is absolutely priceless. I wanted to take a quick glance through like some of these mom group 
so this this Reddit called Shit Mom Groups Say. Uh, I haven't actually gone through here at all, really. I just wanted to look through it. Is anyone having a hush-hush measles party in the Houston area? Holy shit, that is scary. You idiots, what are you doing? This is horrifying. Th these memes are horrifying. It's so scary. They have a thermometer that reads 106.8 degrees. Should we go to the ER? That's scary. Mom groups are like dangerous, like legitimately dangerous. That is scary stuff. I'm going to have to look through this mom group later. Potato, you don't happen to have any questions for me, do you? Uh, we got a couple questions, sure. Awesome. Um, PJ was wanting to know where your ancestors came from. Where my ancestors came from? Mm-hmm. Um, my father is from Scotland, uh, actually really, really recently in my father's history. The family just moved from Scotland. He also has some Native American in him. And my mom has a lot of Native American in her. Um, let's see. And she's also from Wales, some from Wales. So much Native American, actually, that it's, it is on my birth certificate. It's not that much, actually, but, you know, it's like 116th or something, and they did list it on there. And as a result, I grow facial hair a lot like a Native American would grow facial hair, which is to say not at all, really, um, and things like that. And I tan really, really well, but I look white as a ghost generally. So, yeah. Got another? Uh, sure. Cookboy was asking, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Um, I moved into a new apartment, as, as I mentioned, and it is a little bit echoey on the mic. I can hear it. That's kind of disappointing. So aside from that, I'm doing pretty well, though. Got another? Yeah. Uh, Robot asked what your views on Christ uh, Christianity were and its denomination. My views on Christianity and its denominations. Okay. Here's my thing about Christianity. I have no problem with Christians, or I have no problem with Christians. I'll leave it at that. Zero issue. But I feel like it's somewhere around 43% of the country, that, that statistic may not be right, but I, around 43% of the country believes that Noah's Ark is a real, literal story that really, literally happened. And that's concerning to me. Um, I would like to bring moderate Christians in to help fight against extremism like that. Extremism of that type. People who believe that the world is 6,000 years old. That's an issue for me. If we can get Christians on our side against that type of ideology, then I'll be happy. So that's generally how I feel about it. Got another? Yep. Um, this one from PJ again. If you had to be religious or follow a religion, which one would you select? Um, <clears throat> I think I would probably pick a Christian denomination because I know Christianity the best. I don't know much about Islam. I don't know much about, like any of the other any Eastern religions or anything like that. I understand Christianity the best. And I know how it works and how to work it. Um, if I had to pick a denomination within Christianity, I would probably pick Methodist because they seem pretty chill generally. I mean, there are some out there that are like really extreme and, and, a, and a problem. But for the most part, I think that I find a lot of really chill uh like Methodist denominations and churches. So there you go. Um, and I see somebody asked me, did you observe the holy day of Star Wars yesterday? I'll give an answer to that. I had a, a good friend of mine get married yesterday on May the 4th. Yes, he did it intentionally because it was Star Wars Day. They had um, like... Mr. and Mrs. Blocks that read that way uh, in Star Wars font. It was pretty awesome. So, yeah, that's, I guess you could say that's how I celebrated. 
I didn't like watch Star Wars or anything, although it's been a while since I've seen Star Wars, and I am, I, I grew up a really, really big fan of Star Wars, so maybe I should. I actually, I watched all, uh, I watched all three of the originals, like episodes four, five, and six, so many freaking times when I was younger. I, I can't even count. It was crazy. I watched so many. Um, I was the biggest Star Wars fan. And then episode one came out, and it just completely soured my taste for Star Wars. It ruined it. Episode one did. Uh, so much so that I haven't even... I, I watched episode two and three. Two was forgettable, honestly. Three was decent. It wasn't so bad. Three wasn't so bad. Um, seven, I haven't seen. Rogue One, didn't like. It didn't feel like a Star Wars movie at all. It felt like some... BS modern day movie that you just, I don't know. It just felt fake. It didn't feel like Star Wars. I heard seven was good. I heard eight was good. And of course, people spoiled it. You cannot avoid spoilers, unfortunately. Um, I understand nine is supposed to be coming out at some point. I don't know. Anyway, I haven't even seen seven or eight because it, I was just so disappointed with all the newer ones. But uh, anyway, do you have one more question for me? Uh, sure. Nylatak had asked, uh, sort of on topic, actually, what's your favorite film? What is my favorite film? Honestly, I do not watch many movies nowadays. Hmm. That's kind of tough because, I, you know, historically I've watched, like, a lot of TV shows and things like that. Not so many movies. Um, I really liked Pulp Fiction. That's usually a safe pick for a good movie. I also liked um, Django Unchained. I like a lot of Quentin Tarantino, honestly. Quentin Tarantino's pretty good director, pretty good writer. Very profound in many ways, uh, but also very gory. And, I, I, you know, I feel like the gore is kind of a little bit over the top and unnecessary sometimes. Uh, but at any rate, stories are typically pretty good, so... Uh, like I said, Star Wars was really, really good. I mean, the first few movies were really great. Really liked those. I saw Avengers Endgame. You guys are lucky I'm not a D-bag. I'm not going to spoil it for you. But needless to say, things happen and uh, stuff. So <laughs> I guess I'll just leave it at that. I don't know. I was thinking about, like, writing the line of spoiler without actually spoiling anything. I'll tell you this. Somebody, good or bad, dies. Either the good guys or one of the good guys or one of the bad guys die. So, there you go. In a war. Just put it that way. Anyway. <laughs> It was a good movie. Uh, I, I never saw any of the other Avengers movies, like any of them. I understand there are like 20. Never saw one of them. And people thought that I was, that they thought that I'd be lost when I watched it. But honestly, it wasn't so bad. Um, I, I understand the lore behind certain characters. Like I know the lore behind Captain America and Thor and things like that. So when certain big plot points came up and things happened, I actually understood what was happening better than people assumed that I would. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't completely lost. Somebody gave me a, a brief explanation. Um, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give just a real super basic spoiler. So it, it's not a, I'm not going to go 20 minutes into the movie. So in the first 20 minutes of the movie... If you guys want to pause the podcast or whatever, I'll just give you a minute to do that, and then I'll, I'll give you a, just a brief 20-second recap of what happens in the first 20 minutes of the movie. So by now, you should have already hit the pause button um, on the podcast if you don't want to hear these spoilers or taking your headphones out or something. So here I go. Uh, in the end of the last movie, Thanos killed half of the population or of the universe or whatever with the stones, right? With the Infinity Stones. Um, that's kind of the recap that I got from the moment, like just walking into the theater, Matt Dillahunty was explaining to me what happened in the last movie because I went to see it with him. 
Um, Thanos killed half the population in the universe with the Infinity Stones. There are five of these Infinity Stones. And then he disappears. So now Endgame starts up. And within the first 20 minutes, they basically resolve that they're going to find Thanos, find the Infinity Stones, reverse the damage. Uh, so they basically they discover a big explosion at a nearby planet. They go to that planet. They find him. Like I said, this is still within the first 20 minutes of the movie. This is in the very beginning of the movie. Um, they find Thanos. They grab him. They cut his hand off and take the glove that had the Infinity Stones. They kill Thanos. They discover the Infinity Stones weren't in the glove. He destroyed the Infinity Stones a few days before by using the Infinity Stones to destroy them. Um, and then they, uh, so now there are no infinity stones. Now they can't revive everybody in the universe like they planned. So now they have to find a way to basically recapture, I guess, or find a way to get the infinity stones back even after they were destroyed. So that's the premise of the movie. It's them trying to retrieve the infinity stones. It's a three- hour movie holy shit spoilers over it's a really really long movie it was a good movie though it was really really good i really liked it honestly uh so i don't know maybe i'll watch the others at some point we'll see x cult baby testing are you there can you hear me yep hey, can you hear me i can hear you oh and by the way where can people find you you have a youtube channel don't you I do. My YouTube channel is also Baby, all one word, E-X, not just an X. Uh, I have a Twitter also that's Baby, and yeah, that and those are my it. main okay. things that I use. I'll put a link to it in the description of the video if you guys want to take a look. It's a pretty interesting YouTube channel. So uh, we met at Faithless Forum, didn't we? We did. Well, we more met at the after party. I, I had been meaning to talk to you literally the whole day and i only managed to track you down when you were dead tired at the after party mm, i kept escaping right uh-huh yeah i heard that you know what happened was um i think drew a genetically modified skeptic he messaged me and was like you've got to get in contact with this person how how can i like where can i send them to get in contact with you that's what happened it was pretty mm -hmm. pretty cool of him i guess too yeah he was really cool he was like super supportive and just was like, you gotta talk to Telltale. And I was like, okay, I will. And then seconds later, he messaged me. He's like, I talked to Telltale for you already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Um, so tell me, like, what is your story? Uh, what religion were you originally? Of course, I know, but for the audience, let's let's start right. from scratch. Okay, so I'm an ex-Jehovah's Witness. Um, I was raised in it. My parents and my grandparents on both sides of my family, my aunts and uncles and cousins are all Jehovah's Witnesses, except for, like, one aunt that's disfellowshipped still, but everybody else in my family is active Jehovah's Witnesses. That sounds so, rough. So what's it like yeah. being in that situation? Do they know that you're not anymore, or what's the deal? I don't know if they know that I'm, like full-blown apostate or atheist, but I have said stuff to them that I've made it pretty clear that I'm not going to, quote, respect the disfellowshipping arrangement. Mm. I basically told all my family, at least my immediate family recently, like, hey, I understand you guys feel like you have to do this thing where you're shunning me. Well, I'm not going to shun myself. So right. I'm still going to talk to you guys. You don't have to respond if you don't want to, but like, I'm not going to not talk to you. There you so. go. That's interesting. So did you ever get baptized or no? I was baptized at 15, which was, like, super late for, I mean, if anybody is an extra host witness, I'm sure that they mm. were getting pressure at, like, you know, like, 11 years yeah, old yeah, or really whatever. really early, for sure. Yeah, and I had been getting that pressure all along, but I, I don't know, I just, I just didn't make the commitment until I was, like, 15, and mm. now I'm like, oh my god, I wish I hadn't, and yeah. especially since I was an elder's daughter, so it was oh, definitely wow. an Even expectation, worse. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that I was remember. actually... No, go ahead. So, go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, Here. I was going to say, um, 
I think I was like 13 when it happened for me. And even then, I was like the first one to get baptized in my congregation. Um, they weren't like too uptight about it. Uh, they were like just really happy when it happened to me. You know, maybe I was 14. I may have been 14, I think. But anyway, so you were an elder's daughter, you say? Yep. So it was even more intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was actually a big part of me eventually leaving that I felt so much pressure to be a good example. Like, everybody looked at our family, and they were like, oh, you guys are such a good spiritual family. You oh, guys yeah. are, like, goals. You guys are a great example. And I literally, like, got asked to chaperone middle school slumber parties and stuff like that. Wow. Like, I I was the one who was supposed to, you know, be this great example of a good Christian woman, which just mm. made my whole double life situation ten times guiltier. Yeah. So how did you end up leaving? Like, what was the whole situation with that? Yeah. So when I was a sophomore, was it a sophomore? No. When I was a junior, um, I discovered, oh, so I guess I'm attracted to women. And that's an issue. Okay. Um, I came out to my family and they reacted in like the most... Like, oh, we don't hate gay people, but it's a sin kind mm. of way. You know, like, my, my parents didn't say anything really incredibly negative. They they were basically as supportive of this they could be without being, like, actually supportive, right. you know? Like, they were like, well, it's something you might grow out of. You don't necessarily have to call yourself bisexual just because you feel attraction to women. But they didn't invalidate how I felt. Okay. They well, never that's said something. anything like, they never doubted my feelings. They never told me that it might have, that it was like, you know, they, they basically didn't, didn't gaslight me and make me like, are you sure that's how you feel? And they never accused me of anything like choosing it or anything like that. So basically, I feel like, and, this kind of makes me even more mad. I feel like if my parents weren't Jehovah's Witnesses, they would be completely accepting of me. And literally the only thing keeping them from being completely accepting of me is that they're Jehovah's Witnesses. Definitely. But, so have you yeah. talked to them about it like since then? Are they still kind of on the fence about it? Or what's the deal with it? Well, let me let me continue the story. Right, go and ahead, go ahead. Go, I kind of go in. So, um, in... After I graduated high school, I had this one friend who was a trans guy, and he had this girlfriend, and long story short, the three of us all ended up in a polyamorous relationship. We were dating, and basically, I kind of came to the conclusion that, um, the funny thing is, we actually started dating while I was on a trip to Bethel. So oh, I'm God. like, <laughs> touring these biblical uh, things and at the same time I'm, I'm texting my boyfriend and my girlfriend <laughs> Ooh, that felt kind of dangerous yeah, yeah I bet it felt exhilarating uh, <laughs> though that's awesome yeah well at the time it mostly just felt guilt it felt like like well I'm gonna die in Armageddon you win Satan yeah. this is it but yeah. I was like resigned to do what I was gonna do it was just like oh well I guess I'm gonna die you know, I hadn't really lost my belief at all. I still believed it was true. I just was like, fuck it. I, I can't do this anymore. I yeah. can't pretend this anymore. I, yeah. So. So how old were you when you lost your belief? Was it around that time? Like when you started realizing it was BS or? It wasn't actually until I'd been out for a little while. Okay, okay. So after we had been, the three of us had been dating for a uh, few months um my this happened in 2017 there was this special meeting i mm -hmm. don't remember what it was for because i didn't end up going to it but there was some kind of special meeting in like the middle of or early october mm -hmm. i don't know if any other extra jehovah's witnesses remember this because i wasn't really involved in the extra jehovah's witness community at the time and i didn't end up going to this meeting so i have no idea what there no it wasn't it wasn't the new bible that was in like 2013 mm -hmm. um it was it was earlier than that, but um, yeah. So so anyway, um, we're getting ready for this going to this meeting. My whole family is, and uh, I'm I'm getting ready to go. I go downstairs to get breakfast, and my dad marches me back up. Like, look, this is unchristian. It's 
it's ungodly for your room to be this messy. Okay. Basically said that I, I couldn't even go to this, like, at this point, it was a struggle for me just to go to the meetings. Like, I made as many excuses as I could to get out of them whenever I could. But now I'm like, my my own dad, who's the elder, is keeping me from going to the meeting because my room is a what mess. Is and I'm just deal? like... How bizarre. I know. And uh, I'll be honest, it was a mess. Like, he wasn't wrong. But it was just, like, I was so fed up with the nitpicking. Like, instead of cleaning my room i just started packing and i was like i don't know where i'm going but i'm getting the hell out of here i'm sick of this shit i can't deal with this anymore it was like this it's it was like the jehovah's witness oppression got to the point where it was just like really i can't even go to the stupid meeting that i don't even want to go to because my room isn't clean yep i know then exactly fuck it, i'm not gonna mean. go yep you know so how so, old were you at that point i was 18 okay um i was gonna turn 19 pretty soon because my birthday's in november and this happened in october mm. and i ended up staying with a friend for a few months and then i ended up moving in with i was actually homeless for maybe like a week mm. or a week and a half or something like that and then i moved in with my current fiance at the time boyfriend mm. um because the relationship that I was in didn't end up working out. And for a while, I was really angry about it. But now looking back, I'm like, if I hadn't been in that relationship, how much longer would it have been before I got out? Because right. that was one of the, that was a big motivator for me was like, because even though I had gotten fed up with that at that point, I had been thinking about leaving for a while because I was just, I basically knew that there was no way that there was any long-term success possible for the relationship that i was in if i didn't get out of my parents house yeah because i couldn't even see them you know yeah i definitely know what you mean that's really interesting so it was a week before you turned 18 or a week before you turned 19 when you ended oh, it was about a, it was about a month before oh, a i month. turned I'm sorry, 19 a month. but okay. i was 18 at the time and um i had a talk with my parents about it between like there was about a week after that before I got disfellowshipped. So there's like a week where I'm living in a different house, but I can still kind of talk to my parents a little bit uh, because they're at some point my dad picked me up for some reason because I couldn't get a ride from anybody else. Mm. And he basically told me, hey, this is only going to happen the one time. Like, don't mm. make a habit out of this. I was like, okay. But um, basically, I got to talk to my parents a little bit between then and between me getting disfellowshipped and me actually moving out of the house and the talk that i had with my dad was really interesting he basically said i understand why you feel like you have to do this this is something that's clearly been eating away at you for a long time this is something you feel you need to pursue and i understand that that's an interesting and, conclusion for him to come to as a jehovah's witness and an elder no less right yeah my dad is okay my dad is the one that's made me as, like, progressive as I am. He's the one that introduced... Wait, he's the one that introduced you to what? Star Trek. Oh, I'm really? I'm a huge Trekkie. Okay. I'm a huge Trekkie, and so is he. And if you've ever watched the show... I have. All of them. Oh, yeah. Me too. It has very... It, you know, it promotes very progressive ideals, yeah. you know, for the future of mankind. Very secular, humanist type of future. So, and, and, and my dad never skirted around those issues. Like, there was an episode in Gen where... Uh, Riker falls in love with this alien and the alien, well, that's typical, but this particular right. alien that Riker has fallen in love with, um, is like part of a species that's genderless, but this yeah. one member of the species starts to express gender. And then they, the, the, when the other members of the species find out about it, they like kind of close in ranks and then do something to the alien off screen. And then they come back and they're like, oh, I'm fine now. Yep, I remember that one. That was like super sad. Yeah, my dad paused the episode and explained to me that this has a real-life correlation with um, conversion therapy for gay people. Wow, really? Yeah, he told me that. He stopped the episode to explain to me what the real-life correlation was, and it was clear that he did not approve. Like, it, it really kind of disturbs me that... The, the level of cognitive dissonance that my yeah. that my family has to go through every day with like clearly being able to see human rights issues and understand them and like understand that it's not fair and still be like yeah but it is a sin so you know 
Yep. Like, like they're just barely not supportive. Just barely. I know. It's such a shame. Like, just imagine where they would be if they weren't Jehovah's Witnesses, right? Yeah. I think about that all the time. It's like, I, I just know that they'd be so much better off. Yeah. So yeah. what's the situation now? Like, do you talk to them now or? No, not no. really. I, um, the only one who will kind of talk to me a little bit. Is... Wait, you, I'm sorry. You broke up again. Sorry. You said it's your mom and your brother. Yeah. My mom, I can, if I ask her a direct question, she'll answer it mm. pretty much even if it's just something trivial, but she won't like get into a conversation. Mm. My brother He's not baptized, but he still doesn't want to talk to me. When I left the house, he was really angry. He's a he's a teenage boy. Honestly, yeah. he was going through a lot of shit, and I was isolating myself in mental preparation for leaving. Yeah. So I wasn't there for him like I should have been, and I understand why he was angry, and I understand why he's still angry, because obviously he's still quite indoctrinated, even if he isn't baptized yet. And like I said, he's an angry teenage boy. That's rough. I Yeah. How old but, is he now? God, he's 16 or 17 okay, now. Gotcha. Yeah, but... So I, I, I don't really talk to them regularly, but mm. I, I can get a response from my brother. Mm. Like, when I told him... When, when I sent out the text message to all my family, like, listen, I'm not going to shun myself from you, he basically said, well, I don't want to talk to you because you're disfellowshipped. And that was the only answer I got. Okay, I was then. like, okay, whatever. Yeah. That's the only response you got from, like, any of the family? No. Well, that was the only response I got from him. My dad, of course, says, well, I understand that you don't respect the disfellowshipping arrangement, but I'm going to. And Mm. He said that it would be, please don't contact us because it would be needless heartache. And I'm like, I don't know how to make you understand that it's totally on you. Yeah. it's not normal for you to not want to talk to me. Right. I don't know how to make you understand that. I know. I hear the same thing from my mom. She says, it's my doing and my fault because I got disfellowshipped and I'm not coming back to Jehovah. They want to flip it on you. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's your fault that they are shunning you. And and the thing is, like I said before, the thing that I'm shunned for is something... At least at the time it was, and now it's not even that. You know, it's not even. I'm not even. Now. I, it, my fiance is a dude, and I like. I'm. I'm not even in a gay relationship now. So really, the thing that they were shining me for was something that they barely had an issue with in the first place on a personal level. Yeah. And now I, I know that my mom actually likes my fiance. When I first introduced him to her. When we would just started dating, she was like all smiles. She was really? beaming. She asked him tons of questions. She likes him. I know that they don't really have an issue with the way that I'm living my life, like on a practical level. Yeah. It's all about watchtower control. Over yeah, there. yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I see that exact same thing. When I was when I ended up getting disfellowshipped, I was kind of living in sin, I guess you could say, like I was drinking and I was smoking cigarettes and I had a girlfriend and all that other stuff. So what I ended up doing was I ended up getting married to the girl so that I wasn't living in sin anymore. And I stopped smoking and I stopped drinking. I was like living the way a Jehovah's Witness was supposed to live, Uh, just not a Jehovah's Witness anymore. So I know exactly what you mean. Like I found myself in that exact same position my parents mm-hmm. were shunning me, not because of how I was acting or what I was doing, but entirely because of how the Watchtower Society viewed me, you know? Yep. And I don't know if I even have the heart to tell my family that at this point, there's no way that I would ever come back. Mm. Like, I feel like they kind of get the sense of that, but I, well, I think I've think told... they'd react? I don't know. If you straight up told them, do you think that they would react really poorly, just freak out and start I, crying? I think that it would definitely, any level of communication that I have with gone. Mm. And I guess that I don't want that. Yeah. Because it's like, it's barely anything. Like the last conversation I had with my asking her if my sister drinks coffee, because I vaguely remember that my sister had started to become a coffee drinker. And now I work at a coffee shop, so I wanted to bring them some of the coffee because right. it's really good. But not to toot yeah. my own horn, toot toot. No. Yeah, well, 
I'm look. I'm a barista. I okay. care about the art, the craft. Okay, okay I understand. <laughs> I'm a big coffee drinker. I, I'm so embarrassed to say that I did not consider bringing coffee to Faithless Forum next year. We're going. Yeah, to, man. How could you do that? It was sad. I was so heartbroken. But next year we're planning on getting like a bunch of big coffee. What are they? Stills? Coffee stills? Is that what they're called? Um, mm. anyway, we're going to have some of those and we're going to have like some faithless forum cups and everything. It's going to be so awesome. I can't wait. And it's going to be a two day be dope. event. Yeah. Are you going to be there? Absolutely. Okay, good. It's going to be pretty exciting. I felt like this year was pretty cool. Did you, what, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, it, it's kind of hard to tell like everything when you're a planner, you don't know how it's going mm -hmm. aside from like people's reactions or whatever. My reaction, I thought that it was great. And uh, like you were you were saying earlier that you that it would be as long. And yeah. I got to tell you, compared to Jehovah's Witness conventions, it did not feel long. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> Even though it was like twice as long in actual time, it didn't feel like it. There was no talks that I felt like I was going to fall asleep during. And yeah. I always fell asleep during Jehovah's Witness conventions. No matter how invested I tried to make yep. myself, I always fell asleep. I know exactly it's, what you mean. I actually learned how to take notes and stuff like with shorthand and everything just so that it would like kind of try to keep me awake during those conventions, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was it, terrible. Uh, how, like, mm -hmm. what year was the last convention you went to? Do you remember? I actually went to the convention after I was disfellowshipped, so I actually went last year. Okay. And, yeah. and I brought my fiancé, but by then I was mentally out. Oh, okay. So gotcha. it was... Uh, a very different experience but even then i wasn't seeing it fully as strange as it was but my mm -hmm. fiance did and he was like what the hell was that <laughs> like they gave that talk about like unconditional obedience to the elders yes. what was that yeah that's terrifying and to me it was just like that was pretty run-of-the-mill i've I barely thought anything of it. Yeah. It's really hard to break yourself out. I mean, even for me, it's hard for me to break out of that mindset completely and see things for how strange they are, you know? Mm-hmm. It's super fascinating. I wish that I had... Um, I wish that I'd gone to the 2016 convention. I think that that was oh, the Remain God. Loyal to Jehovah one, right? Yeah. That shit was I know. I wish that I'd gone there because it, it, it seems like so bizarre watching the videos from it and stuff. And I didn't even get to hear any of the talks. I just saw like the drama videos and stuff. Oh, yeah. The, all the emotionally leading stuff, all of the scare tactics. Oh, man, there was so much like that convention was it was at the time it seemed very encouraging. But looking back, it definitely just was really scary yeah for sure i got a like i got a lot of um youtube content out of that convention just mm -hmm. talking about their thought stopping techniques and everything else is just so bizarre mm -hmm. to see it in action you know god those bunker videos i man. know but they're so valuable now like to to illustrate all of the ways that cults control people they're just quintessential examples of it you know Mm hmm. so Real quick, yeah. if we still have time to chat just sure. a little bit, Got about I want to know, what do you think, how long do you think it's going to take them to declare the Great Tribulation? Um, I think that they have the second generation teaching. I don't know if you know that one, but mm -hmm. I bet my audience yeah. doesn't. So let me give a just a real bare basic uh, explanation of it. In 1914, when Jesus came back, they said that the last of that generation won't die out before the end comes, pretty much. So they're basically saying somebody who was baptized and anointed before 1914 mm -hmm. uh, will not die out before the Great Tribulation comes. Well, the last person to get anointed and baptized in 1913 was... Um, what was it? Fred Franz, I think. Mm -hmm. I think that it wasn't exactly him, but they used him as a right. They used him as like the oldest. Yeah. So assuming it's him, he died in like 1992, I think, and that means that the end should have come before 1992, right? Well, now right. we have a situation where the end isn't here. So they're saying that it's contemporaries. Anybody who was baptized and anointed uh, during the same time period as Fred Franz was alive 
they count. So basically, long story short, they have about 25 years before that runs up, and they have to either change their doctrine again or declare the Great Tribulation. And honestly, I think within the next 20 years, they're probably just going to change the doctrine. I thought maybe they were going to come out and... I I mean, they're perfectly primed to commit mass suicide. I mean, they have all of their people... They could do that if they wanted to. They They could totally do it. And that scares me so much because they are like, oh, we're not a cult. But if they did something that was so like blatantly culty, they'd still do it. Yeah. And then they would explain it away with some like shallow explanation. But anyway, so the, the bottom line is I think it's going to be in the next 20 years they're going to change their doctrine. I don't think that they're ever going to declare Great Tribulation. It would be so interesting, interesting oh to see Oh my God, that, yeah. You know? I think if they did, the organization would fall apart really quickly. Yeah. Because it would be, they believe that it's going, the, the Great Tribulation will be extremely short. Yeah. So... They really can't say, oh, well, you know, time, you know. Yeah. I, I think that they wouldn't have much room to do that. It, w- it would end so quickly. And the whole organization, I feel like, would fall apart. I'll, people would be leaving in droves. That's true. But I, you know, I've actually thought about this a good bit myself. And I, I actually talked to one of the current members of Heaven's Gate, like, that group that killed themselves, mm-hmm. like 39 people dead. And there are actually still members alive. I don't think that... What? Yeah, still currently, like, around. I don't. I suspect that there will always be Jehovah's Witnesses. Just a few, even if it's just a few. Oh, yeah. There will always but the be organiz- as long as the organization itself part, I don't care if right. leavers. I really don't. Because they're not going to be able to really do anything. Yeah, that's a good point. I I can definitely get on board with that. And on that note, I appreciate you coming on and talking to me. It's been a really interesting conversation. I'm sure we'll talk again one of these days, okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Oh, and by the way, where can people find you? You have a YouTube channel, don't you? I do. My YouTube channel is also Baby, All one word. E-X, not just an X. Uh, I have a Twitter also that's Baby, And... Yeah, that, those are my it. main okay. things that I use. I'll put a link to it in the description of the video if you guys want to take a look. It's a pretty interesting YouTube channel. Uh, but yeah, thanks for coming on again. I will talk to you later on, okay? Yeah, it was nice coming on. Thanks for having me. Yep. Faithless Forum, though, it was really fantastic. Really, really glad that it went as well as it did. I feel like it went really well. It was a really good time. But anyways, yeah, I appreciate you guys coming on and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week.